This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really. And the best part is anyone can take advantage of GMC's platform by signing up for consignment services. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com consignment and start moving your cards with Greg Morris today. What's up, everyone? This is episode 242 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. So, those of you that subscribe to my YouTube channel have probably seen that I'm unofficially working on getting the 1969 top set signed through the mail. And I say unofficially because I'm just going to get what I can. Just the guys that are accessible. I have no intentions of finishing the set. I'm not going to spend a fortune trying to do so. I've already done that, right? I've already completed one vintage set with the 72 set. I knew that, that I never wanted to do that again officially, and that's enough for me. Well, with that being said, I'm somewhere around the 20 card mark, And there's only 99 cards in this set, so that's still a pretty big chunk of it. And after last week's conversation with Will, I decided to take my own advice and mail the Bill Bradley rookie out. So I got everything ready to go, and I stuck it in my mailbox before work. And of course, that day it just happened to pour. Which, you know, has happened before, and that's not really a problem. As long as the card's in the mailbox, it's safe. So I'm coming home from work, you can kind of see where this is going. And it's raining. And I pull up to my house and I notice that the flag on the mailbox is still up, but the front flap has come open. The door on the mailbox has come open. And much to my dismay, there's my Bill Bradley request I had just prepped. It it is still in the box, but it's just a soggy envelope and the ink from the front has blurred quite a bit too. So I was afraid the card on the inside was probably ruined. Uh, Never mind the fact that I'm also, you know, frugal enough that I, I kind of mourned the loss of two stamps in the process. But I take this envelope inside the house, I carefully peel away the layers of wet paper, one at a time, and finally I get to the two index cards I use to protect the card, and it's almost like they suction shut and and they've sealed the cards in. So I pry them loose, and much to my surprise, the the Bill Bradley card in there is still in great shape, aside from the fact that it's soaked, so uh, I had to let it dry out, I put it between some paper towels, And then I ended up sending that back in again. uh, We'll see what happens with that. I probably won't, you know, who knows if I'll ever get that back. If I do, it'll probably be a year or more. Now, keep in mind, this was a request that was going out. So I'm talking about this. The mail that day still hadn't come back yet. I still hadn't gotten the mail. So I wiped out the mailbox because I knew there was a good chance I'd be getting some other mail that I didn't want to get wet, possibly some 1969 tops requests. And the mail shows up, and I get a return that comes back from Florida, which I knew was an Archie Clark signing I had sent out for not long ago. So I pulled the card out of the envelope, and I could only see the back, 
but on the back of the card, it, it looked like Archie had signed the back over the little post-it note that I had put with my name and contact info for the signing. And my first thought was, I guess it's just going to be one of those days. But I quickly realized that Archie had signed the penny sleeve that I had sent the card in, which the promoter should have taken that off. That seemed kind of careless to me on their part. But luckily, it looks like someone caught the air before it was all sent back. And I flipped it over and the card was signed on the front of the card, not the penny sleeve, but it was signed on the actual card. So at the end of the day, it turned out okay. Crisis averted. But I thought you guys might enjoy hearing about the chaos surrounding last Thursday's mail day for me. The things that go into a, I'm not going to say an official set chase, but the things that go into projects that you're working on, you guys know the drill, you do this as well. There is never a dull moment in this hobby. Okay, as you saw in the title, today's main segment is going to be the second and final part of the parallel series I started a little over a month ago. 10 parallels I hunt for in eBay lots and value boxes. Last time I talked about parallels from 1996 to 2013, this time I focused on parallels from 2014 to 2022. And I have to say, as I was piecing this together, I learned a lot of stuff, I went down a ton of rabbit holes, and uh, I, I had a great time with it. So I hope you'll enjoy it too. That will be today's main segment, so you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, I do have a couple pieces of mail I want to talk about. Dry mail, mind you. The uh, first package I received this week came from last week's guest, Will, who you guys might remember he posts on Instagram under Prolific Sports Cards. He sent me a series of messages before we recorded, and it, they, they were kind of vague and they got more specific as he went along. He said, hey, do you collect all Pacers players? I said, yeah, you know, I try to get a, a nice card for every guy or a nice card or two for every guy if possible. Then he asked me more specifically, do you collect Goga Pitaze? And I, you know, the same answer applies. I don't super collect him, but I, I do um, I do try to get something nice for each player. So I've got some little stuff for Goga, but I needed to add something nice. Well, it turns out that Will was doing a little bit of intel because he had already hit a buy it now on a really nice 2019 Rookie Spectra Nebula, one of one of Goga or, or Goka, as I affectionately call him. And he wanted to send it my way. Now, prior to receiving this card, I don't remember seeing a 2019 Nebula in person. I've seen other Nebulas. I, I should say a specifically a 2019 Spectra Nebula in person. So I've seen the other ones, which seem to showcase the changing colors. The Spectra ones, on the other hand, or at least this one, has a larger silver area in the middle that refracts. And when you put it under the light, you can see it really well. So it has a little bit different of an effect, which is kind of cool, something that sets it apart. So, you know, I wanted to show that. I wanted to try to showcase the best qualities of the card when I'm getting this thing ready for social media. Uh, not to mention the fact that I'm in a group chat right now where I'm getting absolutely roasted for my inability to take good pictures of cards. I, I still haven't seen someone try out my business idea of taking professional photos of cards at card shows for other people. It, it would be kind of like Sears for cards, but um, nobody's doing that. So I guess that's because everyone can manage the photo thing on their own. I digress. Anyway, this was just a great looking card, this Goga that Will sent me. So I had to try and get this picture right. And shout out to Will for sending this card my way and also for sending a nice note along with it. It was a really nice gesture on his part. 
and something that he certainly didn't have to do. So it is, I said, you know, hey, I want to get a nice Goga card. It's definitely the best Goga card in my collection now by far. The next card I want to talk about is a 2013-2014 Court Kings Performance Art Prime Relic of Kevin Durant, numbered 18 of 18. So um, one of my friends, Patrick, messaged me with a picture of this card last week, and he asked for my opinion on the patch. And I, and I could tell where it came from, so I, I let him know, you know, hey, this is a good patch, in my opinion. And I also told him I'd be happy to make an offer on it for eBay if they weren't going to. And he said, you know, that's fine. It's not really something that I was looking to add to my PC. It just happened to pop up in his save search. So anyway, I ended up making an offer and it was accepted. And the patch was the bottom part of the letters D-E-R in Thunder. Not the team logo portion from the jersey, but it was a lot smaller than that. And this relic was game dated on the card to Christmas of 2012. And I knew Panini had used mainly shorts for their Christmas Day materials from that time frame and that was the case here. The Christmas Thunder shorts had the word Thunder embroidered in small capital letters on the back right below the waistband. So I pulled the game up on Getty Images and was able to photo match the mesh holes in the piece as well to confirm it was actually used on the date that Panini said it was. And overall, this seemed like a pretty important piece to me. So much so, I was willing to overlook some serious damage to the card that I could see on the listing photo the bottom of the card had been crimped in the pack when the cards were packed out. And, I, and I've seen that with different stuff over the years. Usually it's base cards. For modern stuff, I would say I, I see it more with tops than I do anything else. I don't actually see it much with Panini, which surprises me. Maybe it's just because I'm not opening a lot of Panini stuff anymore. But either way, that damage didn't matter to me on this one because even though it was very noticeable in person, the card still presents uh, very well in my opinion. So... I get this in hand, and, and for a brief moment, I had the crazy idea of pursuing this set. I used to say I'm not a set guy, and now I've got all these sets and projects that I'm working on. So for this particular set, I knew the cards were all numbered differently. I knew David West was going to be a tough one that uh, I already had, and it's numbered out of five, and I actually have two copies of that one. But then I looked at the checklist, and there was another player that was a one-of-one. One. There were multiple Durant patches. There were multiple Kobe's, and on top of that, I, I realized this is also a pretty big set. So while I might keep grabbing cards from this set here and there, I don't think completing it is going to be an option. That's probably for the better anyway. I can just pick up the players I like instead of feeling obligated to grab them all. And that, that for me, is kind of the downfall of set collecting, is you end up feeling obligated to buy some stuff that maybe you wouldn't normally buy, you wouldn't ordinarily buy, but, um, you know, it's just part of that process. It's that trade-off. Do you want the feeling of that set being complete? Or does that offset the feeling of, hey, I didn't really want this card much in the first place? That's just something you have to weigh when you're doing sets. Anyway, I got this Durant. I'll get a picture of that up on social media. I'll try to make a good one. And if I have time, I might make a little video about it to show off on my YouTube channel as well. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, and right now they're hosting an NBA tip-off event. So if you've got basketball cards, send them in and you can get 30% off both elite and select submissions. Additionally, if your new elite submissions sell for over $100, you can earn a full rebate on processing fees. There's a lot of good stuff going on there right now. Head on over to the ComC blog and check it out for yourself. 
Okay, and then real quick, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link. And using this link costs you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time, but it helps support the show. To access this link, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, so a little while ago, I made a list of parallels I hunt for in eBay lots and in boxes at card shows, and these were all from 1996 to 2013. And at the end of that segment, I teased a part two if people were interested, and the response to that was pretty positive. Now, even though I had a handful in mind already, I had to get some help for this one, primarily from my player collecting friends. As expected, they had a lot of great suggestions, and I was pretty happy with the way this turned out. Okay, so without further ado, here they are in chronological order. The first parallel I want to talk about today is 2015-2016 Panini Complete Gold. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Panini Complete, you're not alone. It wasn't a popular product. There weren't many real hits. The cardstock was really thin and flimsy. Not quite as thin as some of the sticker sets that are out there, but it doesn't feel like your standard 35-point stock either. But the whole point of the product was to make a large, affordable set with a few inserts, parallels, and chase cards along the way. The first release featured a 330-card checklist with two parallels, silver and gold. Silvers were one per pack, golds were one per box. And while they aren't all that valuable, for some players they can be pretty tricky to find. I feel like I find them at shows a lot. I don't always buy them. Depends on the price point. But uh, earlier this year, for example, I grabbed a Paul George on ComC for like $1.50, and I was pretty happy about that because I knew this was a really tough card to hit. Uh, I think that price is fair. It's just like I said, it's a really tough card to find. And before I move on to the next card on the list, it's worth noting that the next year of Panini Complete 2016 also had gold parallels and an added no-back parallel, which some sites call a blank-back parallel. And that's probably a more appropriate title. They remind me a lot of the Hoops Redbacks in the sense of, you know, if you see a big clump of Hoops base or Panini Complete base, just flip them over and kind of look at the backs real quick. You're not going to get rich off of them, but they make for a fun chase. And they might be something to look out for in your searches as well. All right, number two is 2015-2016 Panini Excalibur Knights Templar, and I have been buying some of these for my team now that I know about this parallel. It's been a lot of fun looking for these, um, and the backstory here is in 2014, Panini released a really cool medieval-themed product called Excalibur, which was a Target exclusive at the time, and it's another one of those products that I opened a little of, maybe a blaster or a couple hangers, but in retrospect, I think I took it for granted. Anyway, the base set had different tiers of parallels, including an unnumbered parallel called Knight's Templar. It featured the same design as the base card, except the front of the card was mostly silver foil. Now, for 2014, I found these are pretty easy to find, online and anywhere else. Fast forward to 2015, and that's not the case at all. And I've looked high and low to see how exactly that parallel was inserted. None of the websites I normally use for research have any definitive info 
I mentioned the first year was Target only, but I know they added Hobby Boxes for 2015. I don't know if this parallel made it in there or not. Regardless, if you're digging through a value box and you come across an Excalibur card that looks like the base design, but it's got foil covering the majority of the front, flip it over, check the back for that 2015-2016 Excalibur label, and just know that that might be one that's worth picking up. Okay, number three is a 2016-2017 Panini Grand Reserve Vintage Parallel. And you might notice a trend with this list. A lot of these are going to be products that were introduced and only around for a few years, if that. And Panini seemingly retired them before they were run into the ground. Anyway, getting back on track. In 2016, Panini made a product called Grand Reserve. A product that I will never bash, by the way, because it gave us a Pacers-only Hickory-themed memorabilia set. Anyway, the base set for this product was pretty small, only 100 cards. Now, technically cards 101 through 140 are part of the base set as well, but they're all rookie relic autos numbered to 99, and they have a handful of parallels. The first 100 cards of the set, though, which are made up of mostly veterans, have one parallel called Vintage, and it's pretty easy to differentiate from the base card. The base cards have a cropped picture of the player, With a white background and color border, it almost looks like a sort of precursor to the blank slate insert that would come out of Court Kings just a year later, but with that added border. The Vintage Parallel, on the other hand, has a cropped picture of the player, a beige background, and a color border. So you just have to look at the majority of the card and figure out if it's white or if it's beige. And if you're familiar with the base set, this difference is not subtle at all. I know some parallels over the years have been just a tad darker. To me, I would say this one is not even off-white. It's beige. And one more thing. If you're rummaging through a box and one of these is in there, it's likely to stick out somewhat because it is a thicker stock than most products. If I had to put a number on it, I'd guess it was about 55 point. All right, this next one is one you're probably not likely to find, but it's one I think you should look out for. And that's the 2016-2017 Panini Aficionado Opening Night Preview. Prior to 2009, Panini didn't have a lot of actual basketball lineage, so they either had to acquire brands like Hoops or lean into the intellectual property they owned from other sports. Such was the case with Aficionado, which was based on a short-lived Pinnacle set from 1996, a baseball set. And the base cards in this set were horizontal with a headshot on one side of the card and an action shot on the other. And one of the more sought-after cards from that 1996 product was a 100-card promo set called First Pitch Preview. Well, fast forward to 2016, which, by the way, was the 20th anniversary of that set, and Aficionado Basketball has a very similar-looking base set, with the headshot on one side and the action shot on the other. And then the first 100 cards have a parallel called Opening Night Preview. And these are pretty easy to differentiate from the base versions once you know about them. First off, the opening night version uses different pictures. Now, that would be the hardest way to tell the difference between the two because it would require knowing what the pictures for every player looked like on every base card. But really, that's not necessary because the headshot on the opening night uses this uh, bluish foil and then going down the right side of the card, the same foil is used for the words opening night in all capital letters. Now, I've never found one of these at a show, but the main reason is I didn't know to look for them. 
So at least I don't know that I've found one at a show. There might be GoPro video of me on YouTube just flying past one. I hope not. But this is one of the parallels that my player collecting friends pointed out to me because some of them had trouble tracking these down. And like I said, it makes me wonder how many I probably missed in boxes. There's also another one, another parallel from this set called Tip Off that I can't get much info on either. For all I know, it might be just as rare, if not more. Needless to say, I hope to be able to spot them from here on out. Okay, number five is probably the easiest card to find from this list, but one that I think is worth discussing once again, and that's 2016-2017 Donruss Optic Checkerboard. So Donruss Optic made its debut as a standalone basketball product back in 2016, and I feel like it filled a significant void in Panini's product run because even though they had already been producing chromium sets for several years, none of them matched up to a plain stock set like we used to get with Topps and Topps Chrome. I think we could probably say that Panini uh, borrowed some other aspects from the Topps Chrome era for this new set as well because the, the 101 gold vinyl parallels look a lot closer to the old Superfractors than the black 101s in Prism. They also use the old X-Fractor pattern for a retail-only parallel called Checkerboard, and that's the one that I want to focus on today. Early on, these Checkerboard parallels could only be found in fat packs, in their own separate three-card pack. And I know Optic did that later on with other parallels like Blue Velocity. We've seen it in Prism with the red, white, and blues. But you've got to understand, even though they came in their own separate pack and it wasn't you know, a crazy chase to get them, these checkerboards are not like the red, white, and blues and some of those other ones because 2016 Optic was not printed anywhere near the same quantity as any of the other Chromium products from 2018 on, and you could probably lump 2017 in there too. With that being said, we don't know an exact print run on these. I've read several places where people have guessed anywhere between 25 and 50 for each player. From what I've seen, I think 25 is a bit low. Uh, as one of my friends stated, they were short printed, but not that short printed. There were enough of them that every player collector could get one. Now, if you're hunting these to flip for something else down the road, you probably want to stick with the bigger names. There are a lot of these for sale on the secondary market, but I will still grab some of the lower level players at a show if the price is right. And before I move on, I know some of you are probably going to ask, why I didn't include the super tough 2016 optic preview cards on this list, which were inserted in hobby boxes of regular Donruss. Well, the reason is just that they were inserts technically. And even if they were considered parallels, the, the odds of finding them are astronomical. So I left them off. Speaking of cards that are tough to find, number six is another one you probably won't find in a box at a show. It is the 2017-2018 Panini Essentials platinum parallel and maybe you've seen essentials in some of the chronicles products in recent years but in 2017 it was produced as a standalone release the base set was on holographic stock and had four parallels gold which was unnumbered silver which was out of 99 platinum which was unnumbered and purple which was 101 kind of like some of the old fleer stuff in the late 90s this is just a guess but that seems intentional to me especially with the focus that this product put on inserts. And while I'd love to see you find a purple 101 in a value box, that's not the parallel I've got on my list today. I want to talk instead about the unnumbered platinum parallel. 
and I'll do my best to describe them, but these look really good in hand. They have a real nice shine to them. Just like the base card, it's got the close-up shot on one side and zoomed out action shot on the other. The difference is in the color on the background of the foil, which has a, like a light bluish tint to it. There are several guys I know of that have pursued this set pretty hard. I've seen that on social media. We don't have any confirmed print runs. I've seen the number 10 thrown around a lot, but a couple people I've talked to that hunt for them seem to think there's more than that. So that number is probably not quite accurate. Either way, they're pretty rare. They're pretty tough to come by. And on top of that, they're just great looking cards. All right, number six is another tough one. And one I think will blend in a lot more than some of the other parallels I've discussed. And that is 2017-2018 Panini Select Courtside Silver Prism. And once upon a time, seems like so long ago now, but prior to 2020, Select was a hobby-only release. And I'm putting first off the line under that hobby umbrella as well, even though technically it's probably not. But anyway, like every other Select release since 2014, the 2017 base set was comprised of three different subsets. You have Concourse, which was the most common, Premier, which was two cards per pack, and then Courtside, which was two cards per box. So seeing as I'm highlighting the parallel of the rarest subset in the base set, you can probably see where this is going. We don't have um, to have the exact numbers to know that the courtside silvers are really hard to come by. Talk to player collectors. Look at listings on ComC. Try to find these for guys on your favorite teams. It's not easy. All the while, visually, these have you know nothing about them that really sets them apart. Sure, the silver prism finish looks nice, but it blends in with practically every other shiny card from the last five to six years. So while these are rare... I imagine there are some out there that are hiding in plain sight, in lots, in boxes at shows, amongst all the other shiny junk wax that came after all of these in the pandemic era. Okay, number seven is one that I'm a lot more familiar with. It's one that I've collected some over the last handful of years. It was in both iterations of the standalone Panini Status products in 2017 and 2018, and that is the Status Pursuit Parallel. And this one's pretty easy to spot. It looks just like the base card, except it has a die-cut pattern on the left and right edges. I've seen people label both years as a case hit. Um, you know, just because something's short-printed doesn't always give us definitive proof that it's a case hit. But no matter what you want to call it, you know, it's just really tough to come by. Now, I would say it probably is for 2017. Those have always been a lot harder for me to come by. It could be true for 2018 as well but I have seen some cases where there are two or three of them pulled. And I was lucky enough to pull a LeBron in 2018 from my very first pack. And truth be told, I probably should have stopped there. Uh, I have found three or four of these 2018 Pursuit Parallels in value boxes at shows. I have yet to find a 2017 in a box, although I have purchased some elsewhere. But I'm pretty sure they're out there. So who knows, maybe one of you guys will unearth one at your next show. All right, you probably noticed by now that this list is made up of mostly pre-2018 parallels. And 2018, for me, was the point where things started to get a little crazy. We probably had more parallels than ever, and less creativity than ever, simultaneously. And a lot of the parallels from this era on were either some sort of animal print, or disco, or swirl, or wave, or neon. 
you know, like, is anyone really asking for these red, yellow, and green combos? They're, they're hideous. Some of them are pretty tough to find, but they're not really all that desirable or meaningful at the same time. And such is the case with number nine on the list. It's actually two different parallels that I've lumped together, both from 2019 Hoops Premium. You know, as much as I've joked about Hoops in the past, I thought Hoops Premium was a really nice looking product. It just went way overboard with parallels and it got printed to the moon in the process. So I don't think a lot of people will ever really respect it. Nonetheless, out of the 45 total parallels in the product, at least that's what Trading Card Database said, 45 parallels, there are two that have given my player collecting friends fits. I'm not counting the 101s. There are two parallels that have given them fits, the first of which is the Teal Wave Parallel. And from what I've read, those are exclusive to Mega Boxes. And the second is the Red Wave Parallel, which supposedly was only found in Blasters. Now, at the time I put this list together, there were eight total teal waves per sale on ComC and zero red waves, which is pretty incredible considering this is a 300-card set and there was just so much of this product out there. I mean, you couldn't go to a show and escape this stuff. And honestly, whenever I see row boxes full of hoops premium at shows, I pass right by them. It feels like this stuff's never going to go away, but now that I know about these two parallels, I figure I should give those boxes a little attention. I can't say I'm necessarily excited about sifting through thousands of hoop premium cards, but at the same time, there's a part of me that loves a good chase. So at least now I know. Okay, last but not least, number 10 is 2021-22 Panini Chronicles Pink of both the Prism Update and the Optic Traded, which is still part of that Chronicles base set. It's all kind of confusing. This one is fresh on my mind because it's from the season Tyrese Halliburton got traded, and he's got two different cards in the run. And, um, you know, honestly, it probably shouldn't even be on this list since I'm only focusing on, there's 15 cards total in that update and Optic section, but you know what, I'm going to mention it anyway, because for whatever reason, the pink parallels a Prism Update and Optic Traded portions of the base set just aren't showing up very much. They're not numbered, they're probably not in high demand, but they're not easy to find. So if you have it in you to go through all those Hoops Premium cards, I know you probably have the stamina to flip through the Chronicles stuff too. If you find one of these pink cards in there, it might even be worth your time. All right, well, there you have it. So I pieced that list together a couple weeks ago, and like I said, I, I was pretty familiar with a handful of them. The other half I had to lean on my player collecting friends for help. Well, that conversation has already cost me some money. I really dove in and had a lot of fun searching for these parallels. Some were listed properly, and I'm simply just paid up for them. I'm hoping you'll hear about one in particular in next week's mail segment. Others were listed incorrectly on eBay, and I was able to hunt them down with a little creative searching, especially for the parallels that don't give the name of the parallel on the card. You kind of just have to look at the card and imagine what people might call it based on appearance. And then one of the parallels I talked about, the Teal Wave parallel, I found at a show. Right after I made the list, right after I recorded this segment, I found a Charles Barkley in the first dollar box I came in contact with. So I can honestly say now that's the first time I felt happy to see Hoops Premium in someone's value boxes. Otherwise, I was so tired of seeing that stuff every time I went to a show. There are other parallels that I'm still looking out for. I found some on 
Um, I found that on some of this rare stuff, like the Red Knights from the previous list and a couple from this new list, the superstars get listed. People want to move those, but everyone else seems to be a unicorn. And like I, but like I mentioned earlier, I feel like I had patched tunnel vision during some of Panini's best years. And now that things in the manufacturing world aren't as ideal as I'd like, it's given me a chance and more so a reason to go back and uncover some of this stuff I've neglected in the past. So for that, I am kind of thankful. And I hope you enjoyed this list. I'll try and show some of these cards on my social media throughout the week. As usual, you can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the website for my affiliate links. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>